Welcome into From the News, the Skype edition. Hello. And here it's already off it's it's already off to a bad start because everything I'm saying I can hear like two seconds later. <laughs> I got a little like reverb. So this is not like necessarily good. It's terrible. I hate the virtual shit, but it is, what is, it a, is. a boomer. He's very against uh the Skype and Zoom and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean like I'm just not a big fan. I like to be see, I'm a big like show business guy. Like I like to be like inside the actor's studio, for lack of a better term, you know, that great show with that guy that looked like he was dying. Like he was just, he always just looked like he was dying. He finally, he did die, but that's of inside the actor's studio. I don't know who I, you're talking I feel about. like, like, uh, I feel like I want to be in his studio every day, but I, you know what? It, it is what it is. Sometimes you have to roll with the punches. Sometimes you have to go virtual and that's okay. James um, Lipton. But we welcome you in. What? James Lipton. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, Clay Aiken. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, no, but 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 James Lipton was a guy. Uh, this show is about James Lipton. Um, we're going to talk about James Lipton and uh, how, his impact on Philadelphia sports. No, but in all seriousness, Vince, it's good to see you, man. Um, I, nope, I love you. I have, I, I have no pat today. Thank God I can get a word in edgewise today. Um, you know, <laughs> he, he's busy. Wor- he's busy working. Yeah, yeah we yeah, had to go a little early guy. because someone here is getting down to the, the Phillies today. Oh, yeah. Vince, you're going down. You're going down to uh, to the house that Castellanos is building and that Alec Bohm is trying to tear down. That's where you're going. <laughs> I'm so excited. Are you it's excited? So beautiful out. Oh, it's a beautiful day for baseball, Vince. I'm very happy for you. In fact, I have nothing but fond memories of being at Citizens Bank Park with you. Every time we went, I had a good time. Um, yeah, those fond so, memories yeah. of getting brutally sunburnt on the bleachers and people passing out left and right next to us. I thought that was like people actually like I'm pretty sure died at that game, like right in front of us. So it was all but that's all part of the game, man. That's all part. Yeah. People die of heat stroke at the Phillies game sometimes when it's hot. That's just all part of the game. Um, but Seriously, Phil's off to a very good start, if that's okay with you. Um, you got Schwarber, who let off opening day with a homer. Now, did you watch that opening day, Vince? I 100% did watch it. I sat down at 3 o'clock, cracked a beer, and just opened my windows and doors to let the breeze in. It was actually a very nice day for opening day also. Oh, it's beautiful. It was a beautiful environment. When I, when I saw... Oh, Schwarber, fucking tank one. I was like, ah, oh, it's funny. It, it's it reminded me. He... It immediately reminded me of Andrew McCutcheon's leadoff home run in 2019, right? Or 2020? I don't remember which year it was. Yeah, dude. As, as a Philly, well, that was yeah, uh, both doing fantastic. in the first Phillies at bats. Yeah, I was immediately jealous uh, of all the people that were down there for opening day. Ah, uh, me too, man. I, I kept looking through Snapchat and like. Seeing all the pictures of like on Instagram stories and stuff like that, I was, I was like, man, I really wish I was down there. But I, I have a children and a and a wife to feed, so <laughs> I had I had to be working. But um, I'm actually not married. I am single, and nor do I, I have any children that I know. Of. But um, just in case we have any female listeners out there who find me um attractive, but uh, <laughs> and not. But uh, listen, I don't really hear. Oh, it's the Oakland A's who gives a shit. I mean, they look like shit in the in that uh in the in the uh what was that game three 
They look like yeah, shit. But- it was it's 40 a, degrees out. Nobody wants to hit in 40-degree weather. You know, it is what it is. This team could be fine. Who cares, people, people react like baseball is like football or something. Like, one loss is okay. That's the problem. They have the they have the Philadelphia Eagles mentality when it comes to uh, Major League Baseball games, and it's really, really annoying because you could say the same thing about, like, like people are given – like, you made the point today in the group chat, and you thought that I was, like, attacking you. Vince said, oh, well, Alec Bohm's hitting a 1,000. Well, I was just joking. I was I'm like, just messing well, around. Yeah, right. But like, uh, he, he's hitting a thousand in like three at bats. You know what I mean? So it's like good for him. I hope he still keeps hitting. But um, I think we should just jump right to what happened last night. The first real um, series, the first real big league series against a really good baseball team in the New York Mets, and that the the Phillies lineup was just. Um, just dead struggling up yeah. until the seventh inning. Just nothing going on. Harper lo- looks like shit early on, uh, um, but he's Bryce Harper. I'm mean, um, quite uh, again questionable home plate umpire strike zones the entire Oakland series, and now with the New York series. I mean that, but that's just something they, they're going to have to live with. But I think the big story, obviously, is Alec Bohm making three three errors over there at the hot corner. Yeah, Ranger not having um, his best outing either, but it doesn't help when, you know, a lot of errors. Well, I mean, he doesn't have good defense, but a ground ball pitcher like like Ranger obviously relies on defense. You you rely on your infield, you you rely on your third baseman to make plays, and Alec Boehm just doesn't make plays. He doesn't make routine plays. He makes the routine plays like you're, you're cringing every time there's a ground ball hit the third, and that's an issue. And I said on the podcast uh, when you were virtual that Alec Bohm should not break spring training with the big league team and he, because he's not ready. He is not ready. There's something going on defensively. I don't know if it's in, in his head. I don't know what's going on. He had a couple nice at-bats last night, the two walks, which, which the last walk really set up the whole comeback last night. So kudos to him um, offensively. And again, kudos to him for not taking his defensive struggles to the plate with him. Because we see that happen all the time across the sport. And that does show maturity. But what does not show maturity is you make a routine play. The fans give you the Bronx cheer, right? The sarcastic uh, Bronx cheer. And then you're called on camera saying, I fucking hate this place. To Now, listen, man. I'm not going to give him shit for that. Uh, he owned up for it. He said, that's what I said. Uh, so, listen, Ever, dude what are under the bridge what under the bridge that doesn't make him a better third baseman than he was um before the incident happened so i think we have to be careful with how we're uh approaching the whole alec bohm situation what are your thoughts on just everything uh i just i kind of think it's like a non-issue that like he made three errors he he fucked up a couple times he said something when the crowd sarcastically cheered for him and like I said to you earlier in the group chat, I honestly not like applaud him, but like I respect that he owned up to it because there were a lot of people on Twitter, including me, who thought that he might have said something different. And he very easily could have mm-hmm. ran with that and just lied and said, no, what I actually said was, you know, whatever. Someone thought someone thought that he might have said, let's fucking end this, please, like the inning, which would have made sense. 
But I respect that he told the truth. He owned up to it. And he said, you know, that's just what happens. I got frustrated. I was struggling out there and emotions got the best of me. Look, it's like what happens when um, I think we had a friend who said maybe you're playing a video game and you're struggling. Like, man, I fucking hate this game. You don't actually mean that. But it's just like in that moment, you're just worked up and you're pissed off. So I'm not like going to kill the kid for it. And I'm also not going to like you said, he doesn't deserve like a like to be like he still stinks right now is what I'm trying to say. Like that, it is what that is. But it's not a big deal. Yeah. No, it's not a big deal. Like, dude, dude listen, I sent out a tweet list. Honestly, at first, when when I saw, see, it, it was busy at, at the the pizza shop last night, just in case anybody cares. Monday nights are typically not busy in the, in the pizzeria industry, okay? Unless you're Domino's, right? So it, I was kind of caught off guard. I had the game on in the background, busy as shit. Just so, but I I always have the game on, and I look up, and I see Michael Barkin. The great Michael Barkin, who does a phenomenal job over there at NBC Sports Philadelphia with the pre and post game shows for every sport. He's like, you know, he does his whole thing. Yeah. Ah, Alec Boehm said this. What did he say, Ricky? Like, just, I'm like, what the hell did Alec Boehm say? So I, I saw like like him mouthing that. And I saw the like the little, uh, I think they call it a Chiron or a Chiron right there at the bottom of the screen. I don't fucking know the lingo. But the headline, it said, Alec Boehm appears to say this. And I was mad. And in the moment, because I was like, fuck this dude, because like you are a horrific ball player. I mean, just horrific. And you shouldn't even be here. And if you hate this place, we hate you, too. So, it, you know, feelings mutual, brother. But then, like, when I got more context, I was like, all right, dude's frustrated. He clearly is not happy with himself uh, at all. So, yeah, I fucking hate this. You know how many times I say that, like, at, at my job? I say it all the time. I, I don't I don't actually hate the place. But, so, I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, and the bigger story from last night, aside from that bullshit, is just the fact that the Phillies were able to, to come come alive like that in the eighth inning, which I think that I saw um, some statistics Twitter page tweet out that that was the first time, and I don't know if it was ever, but in a long time, the Phillies have overcome that deficit in, in, eight, in the eighth inning or later or something like that. So that's impressive. And, and it, you're, you're, you're going to see a lot of this, Vince, um, throughout the course of this season because – and obviously there's going to be a lot of, like, just, just crooked numbers uh, up there for us. But, like, this team is never out of it. It's it's never out of it. If they have, like, their entire lineup and they're healthy, they're yeah. never out of it. One, one through nine, every single one of these guys can hurt you. Every Reese single one of these guys – I was going to say, Reese Hoskins, who knocked in the uh, the game-tying RBI, he's been pretty great so far this season. And also, Nick Castellanos really surprised me. He was moving from first to home on that uh, that hit by Hoskins. And shout-out to Phillies third base coach Dusty, Dusty uh, Waffen, Waffen, Waffen. But Dusty, that was a phenomenal call to send him. And by the way, I think Castellanos was going to go anyway, but... Shout yeah, I mean, if, if it was a good throw, it would have been uh, it would have been close. But the fact that Castellanos was able to move like that from first to third, I did or first to home. I did not know he was capable of that because you know he's a bigger guy. That's a gr- that's a great point, Vince. But you're you're going to see a lot of that with Nick because one thing he is is aggressive. He's aggressive. He's aggressive on the base paths. He's not going to steal a lot of bases, obviously, but he's going to be aggressive. Um, and and you just just love to see that. And by the way, we mentioned it earlier. Alec Boehm had a critical, critical at-bat in which he drew the walk in, in that critical inning that set up the D.D. Gregorius hit and, and everything else. So you bring up Reese Hoskins. Before we get into D.D. real quick, 
Reese Hoskins, I mentioned um, on the on the show uh, last time. I said Reese Hoskins is poised to have a huge, huge year because what was it? Every single year for the past two, three years, it was Reese Hoskins has to pick up Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper has to pick up Reese Hoskins. Right. Now you had JT. JT had, you know, offensively didn't have a great year last year. Oh, yeah, we didn't even, JT, uh, okay? real quick, so. we didn't even give JT props. He was the one that got the uh, the game. He made it a game essentially by hitting that two-run home run. Right, and, and that home run, um, I saw that live, and I was like, uh, honestly, man, I, and I would never say this last year. Last year, I think John Crock said it on the post-game show. Last year, there's no question we lose this game. No Absolutely. question. Absolutely. So, I, I mean, so Crock made a great point there, and it's just, it's just like thinking back. He's like, you know, he's fucking right. But when uh, JT hit that home run, I, I, I told my friend, I said, we're, we're going to win this game just because the, the energy was just – it was just like, like it was implanted right back into the stadium because they were dead the whole night. And then JT goes yard. It's a ball game, man. So that's the little stuff, man. It's not two or three guys anymore. It's literally six, seven people that can do that. That can hurt this team. That can pick uh, hurt opponents rather. That can pick up each other all throughout the course of the year, man. This is a dangerous lineup, man. And I got to also not be. Not because they're a defensively sound team, not because they're a great pitching team. They're gonna they're gonna hit their way to October. Got to give you a shout out on Brad Hand too. He actually looked pretty good. I, I don't understand the Brad Hand hate. I mean, the guy was successful in virtually every single season he's pitched in the major leagues. I, I followed this guy. I, I love relievers. I follow left-handed relievers. It's kind of like a kink. It's like one of my like kinks. I love lefty relievers. Like you know what I mean? Like if I was yeah. a swinger. If I if I was a swinger, right, like I would be, like go after the left-handed relievers, like that. That's my thing. Like that's you know my, it's my kink. Yeah. Like, I love so since the year started, them. we've got uh we've got both of our new guys, uh Nick and Nick and uh, Schwarber, both hitting uh, homers. Obviously, we're just waiting on uh Bryce and Reese really here to hit one because we already got another one from JT last night. Uh, Reese is Reese is going to hit. Reese is going. It's just a matter of time. A, a matter of fact, Vince. You picked a phenomenal night to go to a game because obviously it's the Phillies. It's the revamped Phillies. So it's, it's Zach Wheeler on the mound to making his season debut. It's oh, it's Zach Wheeler day. You, you, you're you're set up for, for a very fun time at park. I think I think a lot of magical moments um, could happen tonight. But why it's really like why I'm really looking forward to like having the night off tonight so I can watch the game just at my house is, dude, like you said, Bryce is yet to homer. Reese is yet to homer. I mean, this, and they're coming. I think tonight. I think tonight's a night, man. Tonight's a night. The last series before you have to go on the road for the first time. It will I, be, I think Harper. I will be extremely excited if I get to see Bryce's first bomb of the year. You, you know what I'm going to predict real quick? I just have a feeling. I think one of those two guys is meaning Hoskins Harper. One of those two guys is having a multi home run game tonight. One of them. Multi. Multi home run game tonight. Wow. Someone's going yard twice. So either Harper or Haskins are going yard twice. Seriously. I, I'm like, I'm not a betting man, but if I were a betting man, I, I, I would make that I would make that bet. I've said so we said on the last podcast, uh, Taylor, we gotta get Seamus on the sports betting train. I would I think it would be electric to see you sweating out a parlay on like four baseball games or something like that. It's gonna be the end of the beginning. 
<laughs> or beginning to the end, however you want to put it. Beginning to the that, end. I, I, yeah, I, I was gonna say I think that that would that 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 would ruin me like in in many ways. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if like by next week uh, I open up like a FanDuel account. I wouldn't be surprised. Seamus freaks out over having a coffee at 5 p.m. Let alone whatever parlay money he's going to put down. By the way, Taylor, I'm sipping on a, a cup of Joe, as as the uh, young kids say these days, right? That's what they call coffee. Cup of Joe. Got a little cup of Joe right here. All the kids are drinking cold. Bro. So, yeah, I'm feeling good. But um, listen, I know we're in the uh, middle yeah, of a series. Real, real. I know we're in the middle of a series here, so we got to see what happens tonight and whatever. But just based off the first uh, four games now, like I don't know how you couldn't buy into this team in the city right now. Just I know it was the A's, and I know it's so so early, but like it just looks like it's gonna be a, at least a fun season. Yeah, it, it was the A's, but like what people fail to mention is um, what the hell's his name? Uh, Montas. He's a hell of a pitcher. Yeah, he has he has good That's stuff. What we got on the opening day. Oh, speaking He's of uh, pitching pitcher. on opening day, I just wanted to real quick touch on Aaron Nola. So Aaron Nola was like, pr- for the most part, dealing on opening day. He gave up a solo home run, but that what was it like five one at that point? It wasn't a huge deal. And then in the seventh, I can't remember the seventh or sixth inning, he gives up that Seven. homer. Yeah, so uh, I don't know, maybe Girardi holding on a little bit too long to Aaron in that start, but at the same time. Aaron had only thrown about 60 or so pitches, so I don't really know how he could be so fatigued in that moment. I don't really know. No, nah, yeah, you can't. That's I saw a lot of a lot of Girardi hate on on that one, which is totally bizarre to me. That 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 is I not mean, on listen, Girardi. I want to say right now, it's completely on Aaron Nola because I am not going about to get mad at my G, uh, my manager for riding with you know who's supposed to be. I'm not saying he is, but a guy that's supposed to be an ace who's dealing late in the game. He's supposed to be a race. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We were with the breakout year last year, Cy Young, everything else. Nola's supposed to be that ace. Right, so you I can't mean, get mad at your, obviously your... the ace. So, yeah, you you agree then. You can't get mad at your manager for riding a guy that's supposed to be an ace it, late into the game. You know, seventh inning isn't that crazy for a guy who's having a good game and has, uh, like I said, 60 or so pitches. So that's not on Girardi. But that's, uh, that's, that's, that's the key, Vince. You mentioned the, the pitch count. I mean, dude, sixty pitches. He he could have he could have gone nine at that point, right? So it's that's not on Girardi. That's on Nola. Nola has a very we talk about it all ad nauseum. Nola has a hard time with two strike counts, keeping the ball in the park. It makes no it's, sense. It's also, just, it's it's bad. It's it's that's going to hurt this team. I'm, I'm worried about Nola. I really am. Yeah, we. I mean, we've been worried about Nola for a while now, but hopefully, we get Wheeler out there tonight, just doing what he does. Yeah, and uh, I'm anxious to see Wheeler, how he does. I think he's going to be on a leash, obviously, because, I mean, he he was just set back after setback in spring training. And I'm honestly surprised he's making this start. But, again, last time he pitched against the Mets was on uh, yours truly's birthday at uh, Citizens Bank Park, Roy Holiday bobblehead figurine giveaway day that I left at either Delilah's or Lou Turk's. Yeah. Um and, and that was a, I mean, he pitched a gem on holiday day. So, I'm so shame. We've first, only been, first place in the we've only been through the first weekend here, but like, what's your thinking on where, like, like, obviously I saw a tweet from you today that said like a lot of people are worried about the wild card, but this team could legitimately win this division. Like, tell me your like thoughts behind that. So I think, uh, going into the season, um, pre Castellanos, pre Schwerber, um, I, I was thinking, uh, last place. 
Like seriously, because you have Miami with a bunch of bunch of young arms that people oh, don't yeah. talk about at all. The Marlins always hurt the Phillies anyway, so it's like you got to play 18, 19 games against them. Uh, Atlanta, they just t- they just won the World Series. Uh, Fr- Freeman or not, I mean Matt Olson is playing way better than Freddie Freeman did already so far this year. So uh, Atlanta got better by getting worse, adding by subtracting almost. Um, uh, New York, I was extremely afraid of just because the, I know he's hurt, but just called the, the rotation with the Grom and everything else. Um, but after Schwarber and Castellanos and seeing how deep this lineup is, like the first four games or so of the season, I, dude, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind, at least that they, they can 100% win the division. 100%. It's kind of crazy how in just a number of, I don't know how many years, maybe two, three years, the, that at least has went from, you know, obviously it was horrifically bad, like historically. And now it's like getting up there, like in terms of one of the best divisions it, in baseball. It, it's not American League East right yet, but I mean, it's a very competitive division. Extremely I mean, even, competitive division. Yeah. Speaking of the American League East, we don't have to get hung up on this. The Yankees don't look too great. Uh, oh, Garrett, Cole, I mean, Garrett Cole must might be missing that sticky stuff, man. He got banged up on opening day. Oh, he's missing the sticky stuff man and I, but i tell you what w- one good thing about uh, the yankees one one good move they made in the offseason was bringing back anthony rizzo that dude fucking rakes rakes yeah. I, I love watching anthony it's rizzo also I, I think i've made this argument before and i know that i don't i don't remember what your take on it was exactly but i don't know if it's like a baseball purist thing but like i saw a stat that was like i forget who exactly hit the homers but two homers hit by the yankees in this one game would have only been home runs in yankee stadium and i've said forever I don't understand why baseball stadiums don't have a like requirement or like a standard of what they all should be based off like length to get out of the park and that kind of stuff. Like, I, listen, I'm not trying to sound like I'm trying to like fucking say fuck baseball. It doesn't make any sense. But to me, that would be like if some football <laughs> fields were like 105 yards instead of 100 <laughs> yards. Like, like I feel like there should be some kind of require. Like, I don't know. Do you agree or disagree with that? So to me, like, I, I agree with you, but um, like to me, it's like just part of the beauty of the sport is like the, the different dimensions. Like Fenway's got pesky pole down the right field line, the short porch right at Yankee Stadium, the power alleys in different stadiums. I mean, to me, it's part of the beauty of the sport. But I do where, get where you're coming from in that it, it doesn't make sense. Like if, if you look at it as like a non-baseball purist point of view, I guess, like from your point of view, I get it like. You make the football reference. It's like if if it's like there's a hundred and five yard field compared to a hundred yard field. I yeah, but um, also a question for you real quick for this season. Um, is are they running back the field of dreams game? Because if they are, please put the Phillies in that game with those juiced balls again and just watch the score of that game be like fourteen to who I don't know who they'll play, but watch how many runs the Phillies put up with those juiced balls at that uh cornfield. So, Vince, you, you bring up a phenomenal point that I didn't even think of. Uh, I believe they are bringing back the Field of Dreams game, but I think it, the teams have already been. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know if they had decided the teams yet or not. 
I think I, I, I'm going to have to double check on that, but you bring up a phenomenal point. Listen, the Phillies in that game. Yeah. Last year they wanted to, you know, they did the field of dreams game. And I said last year, it was one of the smartest things they've done in a minute for marketing. They wanted, obviously we all know they juiced those balls. Most likely the ball was flying out of the, out of the yeah. field. And listen, yeah. this year, obviously we're only, like I said, we're only at the first weekend down. I don't know if there's going to be another team that has the capability of hitting bombs the way this Phillies lineup does. So if you're trying to get some people in, trying to draw some eyes, let them see some flashy home runs, the Phillies would be a perfect team for that. Cubs, Reds, oh, August it's, 11th. It's Cubs, Reds? Okay. Cubs, yeah. Cubs, Reds. Here's the good thing about that game. Um, nothing. There's absolutely nothing good <laughs> going to be a part of, like, seriously, the Reds are fucking trash. The Cubs are fucking brutal. So I don't I don't understand that logic, but whatever. Um, but yeah, yes, the Phillies. Dude, you know what I'm looking forward to, man? I might fly out there too. God damn it! Where is that? Um, it's in like Iowa. Interesting. But no, I, I was saying I want to fly out to Coors Field to to visit our buddy Chris Bryant. Because oh yeah. The, the the Phillies have a have a series up there coming up in Colorado. You talk about the ball flying out the ballpark. I mean, those games yeah. are going to be so entertaining to watch, dude, with the altitude. Dude. Castellanos might hit like 10 home runs in that series. That would be uh, just absolutely beautiful. But um, I guess to just wrap up the Phillies talk here, can't wait to get down to the stadium tonight. Couldn't be a more beautiful day for baseball. And just hopefully we get to see uh, some – I want to see some balls flying out of the stadium personally, but I'll, I'll settle for a win. I told you, dude. I told you. Um, but One of I those guys is going to have two home runs. Listen, I would be ecstatic. But anyway, let's talk next about um, – I want to transition over to the Sixers who just closed out the regular season the other day. So the, C- the Sixers are the four seed. They'll be hosting uh, the five seed Raptors, obviously. Uh, we could talk about it a little bit, but Matisse Thybul cannot play in the Toronto games because of his vaccination status, which is like one of the weirdest statuses of vaccination I've heard keeping someone out. He's vaccinated on the first dose but did not receive the second said he grew up in a holistic medicine type household, all that kind of stuff. doesn't really make any sense, but like but, I, Seamus made a good but, but, point. This won't be the deciding factor of the series. But yeah, but we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, but just like the whole, his whole status and his excuse, uh, the holistic, whatever, dude, you're going to do what you're going to do, right? Like that's, that's your personal decision. That's whatever, man. If you really believe in that, good for you, whatever. I don't care doesn't affect me at all but it affects his teammates and that's where i have a problem with it but um digging a little deeper into his status it's like dude like like are you really like that committed to the holistic thing if you got like one out of two he apparently he said that he, he was under the impression that getting the vaccine would mean you cannot get the virus or spread it like listen this is more of a general statement and i don't mean to like critique Matisse's like intelligence here, but did people not know what vaccines were prior to all this? Cause that's what well, they've always, he's, they've, they've well, never you been. No, to be fair, you can critique his intelligence on this issue because he's just not educated at all. Yeah. So, but uh, you did make a good point on Twitter and in our group chat, this will not be the deciding factor. Obviously having Matisse out like sucks for the defense, but there are times in the playoffs where his offense is so bad. He's unplayable. Dude, if, if you can't figure out Siakam for for how many games up there, how many games do we have to play minimum? Well, you know, uh, minimum, obviously, we'd only have to play two. Maximum. All right. So, four. all right. 
all right, say 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 the two games. If you can't figure out Siakam, then you to me you deserve to lose. You deserve yeah. to lose. You, um, come on, come on, man. You've said this. You said this, and I I think everyone agrees. And that's this should be the takeaway for Sixers Twitter and whatnot. But this series comes down to James Harden's play and Doc Rivers coaching. And real quick, I did want to touch on one thing before we even talk about the look forward to this playoff series. The last game of the season, Doc Rivers uh, gives Paul Reed, you know, some run at backup uh, center, which obviously is awesome. We've all been asking for that. And Paul Reed goes out there and pretty much has the game of his career. And uh, he backed up DeAndre Jordan, who let me just read some of the stats here. DeAndre Jordan played 23 minutes, had eight points and was minus 14 on the court. Paul Reed played 21 minutes, had 25 points, and was plus 30 on the court. And even just the eye test, DeAndre Jordan looked like he wasn't trying out there. He looks lethargic, like he's an old man, because you know what he is, and he can't move. Whereas Paul Reed, for all, you know, he let him make a mistake or two a game, but he hustles, he chases after the ball, he, he knows what he's doing out there for the most part. Obviously, there's times where he looks lost, but... It doesn't make any sense. And then after the game, this is where the story really comes in for Philly and what really got Doc in some hot water. Um, he was asked by – who was the beat writer? I can't remember the guy's name. I know he's very respected in Philly. Do you know, Seamus? I think it was a Derek Bodner. It, yes, I think so. He asks Doc about, you know, do you think maybe going forward this will be, you know, Paul Reed's job essentially as backup. And – Doc essentially insults the intelligence of him and all the other beats in there by talking to them like they're children. And he says, maybe I need to say it slower so you all understand. Uh, we, we play Paul against smaller fives and DJ against bigger fives. And a perfect follow-up question got caught Doc in another lie where he said, so what, have we not played a small five all year to the last three games? Because exactly true. That is an exactly true statement. And then Doc Rivers makes the comment that got him in hot water where he says, we are not going on a Paul Reed victory tour. We are trying to win a championship, which is a terrible comment for a guy to make after a young player's best game in the NBA, especially when Doc has a reputation for bad player relationships. And he said it in like not a joking tone. He was very much an asshole in this whole entire scenario. And like if you're Paul Reed, how do you feel about that? You just had the best game of your career and your coach is kind of shitting on you. So Doc, Doc Rivers is – well, I have a lot of thoughts on it. Doc Rivers is a smug, arrogant punk. That's At least that's how he comes across. It's getting to that and point he because have, like, you, between this and the Popovich comment, like oh, don't – would you ask Popovich that comment? I doubt Greg Popovich would talk about – talk like this to one of his players. No, but but, but like it, – it, I don't know. It, the deeper – there's like a deeper like problem that I have – with like the whole situation, how he like the, the Paul Reed comment was a total slap in, in, in the face to a guy, like you said, who just had the best game probably that he's ever going to have in his, in his career. Uh, let's, let's just be honest. Um, at least with the 76ers, because you know, he's not getting any minutes unless there's a coaching change, which hopefully happens uh, eventually, but hopefully not this year, because hopefully unless, unless he wants to leave on his own, but you know, it's a different story, but I will say this um, what, what people and coaches have struggled to understand in the history of press conferences, uh, especially NBA coaches, is the the beat writers are the um, are, are representing the fans. They are representing the fans. They are asking you questions that fans want to hear the answers to. And zero yes. of those questions were out of line. They were all fair. None were disrespectfully asked. Um, 
the, the writers were quite frankly doing their job. And I, I think that if, if you treat reporters who are asking reasonable questions, more than reasonable questions like that, it's not always slap in the face uh, of the reporters who are just trying to do their job. It's a slap in the face to to the fans. And Doc Rivers is already uh, not in good favor with 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 Philadelphia fans right now. Um, yeah. the, the vast majority of 76ers fans want him gone. Uh, they, they've been wanting him gone. Um, so listen, like I said, he's it's not just doing a, a great job. It's a bad look for a guy who has left a lot of teams with these uh, this reputation of not having the best relationships with his players. So like when you're talking about a guy like that, it, it's sort of annoying. And you go back to a couple weeks ago where he called out James Harden. And obviously James Harden didn't have a great game in that game. But for him to say, oh, no, the bench actually didn't play that bad. James should just not take that many shots. When two weeks prior or three weeks prior, Doc told James to be more aggressive. So like it's just like he just kind of talks out of his ass sometimes. And like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, he also made that comment to a reporter, would you ask Popovich that question? It's like, well, like, I don't know what has made him think he's on that level. I know he has a lot of wins. He actually just moved into ninth all time. But Doc Rivers, for all those wins, has what to show for it. One championship 14 years ago with one of the most stacked rosters of all time. Like, congratulations, dude. You've also blown the most 3-1 leads in playoff history. Yeah, so I, I mean, I've said, I've said it before on the show. Me and Taylor agree with this that um, uh, he's one of the most overrated head coaches of all time. In, in all sports, to, yeah, like like when it comes to games that matter, he's probably the worst. I mean, like like with his with his like um, like resume, right? Like he he's got like the wins, right? First of all, he's been around forever. Okay, he's been he's been coaching in the league forever. I'm not trying to take away from the win total, but I mean, you're going to win games in the NBA. if You've been around for a long time as a head coach. Um, but whatever. I mean, it's still an accomplishment. Top 10 all the time. Yeah, it just it just goes to show what you just said is true when it comes to the big moments. He doesn't win because you would think a coach without like look at uh, Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich has the most wins ever. I, I believe that's factual. And he also has like five championships. So. I mean, and, and also Pop is just like like universally well-respected by almost every player who's ever played for him. And, dude, everyone loves Pop, dude. And he's such, such like a likable guy. And Doc is just not likable. He's not likable. Like, he's no. not. <laughs> he's not. Like, I would never, like, I would never, like, if Doc Rivers did, like, which I don't think he ever will now, but if he ever did, like, a meet and greet, right, like, uh, like a little meet and greet with the fans, I wouldn't pay a dime to meet Doc Rivers. He just comes off like a smug, arrogant asshole. And uh, listen, uh, Paul Reed has become a fan favorite player on this team. Every every team has those players that don't really get any minutes, but all the fans love them because of whatever reason they want him to play more. Paul, Paul Reed is that guy on this team. So for Doc Rivers to take a fat shit on Paul Reed after he has the game of his career and kind of proves Doc wrong, it just it, it's a terrible look, and the fans are going to hate even more than they already did. If Doc Rivers would have took that podium, answered that question, and basically said, you know what, I've been wrong, then I'll give him more minutes or whatever, or just not maybe not say it flat out, but in some way, shape, or form, own up to the mistake, all would be forgiven. But he instead doubled down Vince, and took a shit on his player. Can, can you imagine if Brett Brown, when, um, when, when, when Mike Scott was doing his thing, uh, the whole Mike Scott hive, you know, all that shit? Yeah. If Brett Brown came out and said, you know, basically 
fuck Mike Scott pretty yeah. much because that's basically what Doc Rivers said about uh, uh, Paul Reed. Yeah, uh, I, I don't think that like that would go over well. It, it would have been like, it would have been the same thing. I, I don't know. Man. It, yeah. It's just it's, but it's the a thing bad is, look as a head coach. Yeah, Doc gets a, a longer leash because he's looked at. I can't argue this. He is looked at as respected by like the the league in a way obviously i said that he's got some bad reputation with player relationships which he does but for the most part he's looked at as respected because but he's one of the most successful coaches of all time in regular season wins so i guess that gets you somewhere but um speaking of his number of wins uh, the sixers did tweet out like a picture of doc like celebrating in the locker room cuz he just broke ninth all time and he got the the sixers twitter page got ratioed i wish i could give the credit because i don't know the name of the account another uh sixers twitter guy he ratioed the sixers because he said we are not going on a doc rivers victory tour i love it i love uh, it yeah i thought that was I, very I, dude that that was that was a beautiful thing but, here, but uh, here's let, let's let's break down like real quick uh going into uh the the toronto series yeah dude, i want to talk about that real quick before we it. wrap up yeah, but uh, but but I want to get. I know you got to get down to the ballpark, but I I I just don't understand the like, dude. There's just no, and I I understand, but there's like no enthusiasm with the Sixers right now. Like this fan base is very almost like somber. About Listen, this it's team right now. I've like, got to the point where I ex- I said this on the last show. I don't expect much of this team anymore, so I can't be let down because I've been let down so many times. But if I'm gonna be completely honest with you, Seamus. I'm going Sixers and six in this series, and I am a fan of where we're at with the fourth seed because now you you take on um, you take on Toronto in this round, while you know the, the Celtics and the Nets will probably get matched up with each other, or the Bucks are playing whoever, and like we get stuck with not stuck with we play Toronto and then we play the winner of like Miami uh, Atlanta, which I'm fine with. I am completely fine with that. Listen, I'll t- I'll take Miami, I, dude. I, I think I think we can handle Miami in a series. Um, uh, you know, it's not going to be easy, but I think we can take Miami. Um, I'm glad that like Brooklyn's not really in 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 play here in the first round uh, for us because yeah. Speaking of which, the play, play we tournament is tonight. So I mean, like I'm going to sound extremely ignorant, but anyone who's ever listened to this show knows that I haven't been uh, an NBA lifer, right, Tower? I think you can attest to that. So I, I just don't – can you explain to me real quick, like, how the play-in works? Because I honestly have no idea. Okay, so I will um, read it to you, the the format here. Um, the So the seventh and the eighth seed will play each other um, – what, what was – I'm sorry, hold on. Seven and eight seed will play each other. Ten and nine play each other. The winner of the seven-eight seed game becomes the seventh seed. Now the loser – of this that game will play the winner of the nine versus ten, and the winner of that oh, game God. becomes the eight seed. So like here, I'll, I'll I'll use the teams to make it a little easier to understand. So the Nets will play the Cavaliers tonight. Let's just assume what we all think is going to happen happens. The Nets will probably beat the Cavaliers. So the Nets are now your seventh seed, which matches them up with the Boston Celtics, uh, and the Cavaliers will play the winner of the Hawks versus the Hornets. Now, a lot of people are assuming the Hawks win, so let's assume the Hawks win. Then the Hawks will play the Cavaliers, and the winner of that game is now the eighth seed. So, okay, I, I sort of get it, but, like, so if Brooklyn wins tonight they're and in. they beat Cleveland, they're, they're in, in, in the seven. But, but, what hap- but, but what happens to Cleveland? 
Cleveland will then play the winner of the other game, the Hawks versus the Hornets. And then the winner of the game between the Cavs and whoever wins that is the eight seed. So basically to, to sum it up, if you are the seven or eight seed, you have to lose twice to be out. And if you're the Hawks or Hornets at nine or 10, you have to win twice to get in. Okay. So, so obviously they're all one game, right? Yes. They're all one. Yeah. One and done. All right. I got you. I got you. All right. Yeah. My Which apology. is like, why? Honestly, honestly, obviously, like everyone's going to pick the Nets and the Nets should win this game. But um, since it is one and done, like I wouldn't be surprised. Like the Nets have lost to bad teams. Obviously, you know, you kick it up for the playoffs and whatnot, but it would be very funny to Obviously, I don't think they would lose both games if they lost to the Cavs, but it would be very funny to see the Nets have to play in another um, playing game and possibly get the eight seed instead of the seven. It would be Cavs, funny. Cavs first half. Yeah, that'd be great. But, but but to lo- but to lo- but to be eliminated from the playoffs, you have to lose two games in the playing. If you are the seven or eight seed, yes. Okay, all right. Because, like I said, the loser of that game plays the winner of the other game, so they get two chances right. to get in. I got you. All right. So it's kind of confusing but, um, to me. It, it, one, this we're not like a you know breaking down all of the series here, but one thing that does suck that I just saw recently was uh, Luka Doncic is hurt. They don't know when his timetable for a turn is. He's an exciting player, yeah, so that, you, you hate to see someone go down. But um, Seamus, let me shame. ask you a question. I don't know how much you. I know you you're very tuned into the Sixers this year. I don't know how much like you pay attention to the rest of the league, but um, I was gonna ask. Let's say you know, assuming the worst here, God forbid, the Sixers lose or whatever, and they don't make the finals. They don't make the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know, but they lose at some point. Is there another team that you'd pick up uh, and root for them to win it all? So I, I have a team. <laughs> I have a team in the West. I have a team in the East, right? Besides the Sixers, okay? I, I, dude, I, I hate to say it, man. And I don't know if this is a quote-unquote violation as a Philadelphia sports fan. I don't know. But, um, dude, I I love I love Devin Booker. I don't know why. I love him. He's, rooting, he's for the, fun to watch. rooting for the Suns is no, is no, uh, no violation of being a Sixers fan. I, I could – well, but, but I mean, but best team in the league, right? Like by far, record wise. So it's like that's an yeah, easy but to hop on. Devin Booker is an exciting player, and CP3 is a veteran, all time great without a ring. I, and Mikael Bridges, I we still love Mikael Bridges around here. So no, I wouldn't yes. be mad if the Suns won. Now, now you're going to be mad at me for this, okay? Okay, okay. But dude, I, I just in the East, man, Sixers are out, right? Which, by the way, I, I'm not saying, dude, that's definitely a possibility. I'm, I'm not. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm obviously, just saying this, hypothetically. This team is like, yeah, but obviously I just want people to know that I acknowledge that the Sixers are extremely flawed in many, 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 many ways, and it, and it, it's they're deeply flawed in some ways. So like I wouldn't be surprised about a first round exit. I really would. I'm hoping for an NBA Finals uh, uh, victory, obviously, of course, because I think they can do that too. But um, uh, but dude, I, dude, this is really really hard for me to say because dude, I love, I like, I was just watching. Like like throughout the season, we were watching like the like Nets games that that would be on like ESPN or whatever. Dude, I love watching Kyrie and KD play together. I, I just, I dude, I I fucking love it. I, I do. I hate Ben Simmons, but dude, I love uh, Seth. Yeah. I love I love Dre. I love these guys, man. KD and Kyrie are like so much fun to watch. And dude, uh, whatever, dude. If, if I let's just put it this way, if if the Nets made it made a deep push into the playoffs, I wouldn't mind it. That's all. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I, I personally wouldn't root for the Nets just because I wouldn't want to see Ben Simmons get a ring. And I, no. I, I, I know, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving might be the most exciting player in NBA history just to watch the way he plays. But obviously, like, but, but that's I, the I only reason why. It's because, 
He's a dickhead. The, the only reason why the only reason why is because of those two guys. Like and yeah. Seth and, 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 and Drummond. But and it's I, like I do love Seth and Drummond. I wouldn't mind seeing them get a ring. And I don't hate KD. I wouldn't care if he got another ring. But my team, I I, I guess I'll also take your your uh, method here and go with a team from the East and West. Um, the team from the East that I would root for is definitely second in this line. I would definitely root for the other team more, but I would not mind seeing uh, the bucks because I wouldn't mind seeing Giannis get another ring. I I'm a big yeah. fan of Giannis. I mean, obviously I know that he's supposed, they're supposed to be like a little bit of a rival, but Giannis is extremely likable. Uh, he's obviously an all time great. And seeing him solidify his resume with another ring would be a, uh, would would be crazy because he'd be going down, you know, making a case for one of the greatest players of all time. Obviously, maybe top fifteen, top ten with another ring and another Finals MVP. Who knows? But yeah, they'd be my team, and I I do respect the fact that they are in a small market and they are not a super team. It's Giannis and guys. Don't get me wrong, Chris Middleton, all star player, great player. But I would not say by any stretch of the imagination the Bucks are a super team. So I did respect that Giannis was able to stay there, get it done in the small market. Um, the other team that I will be rooting for way heavier is in the West, and it will be the Memphis Grizzlies. The Memphis Grizzlies have been, in my opinion, maybe oh, like the most, they've been maybe the most exciting team in the whole entire league this year. Uh, John Morant, obviously MVP uh, candidate, like for most of the year, obviously fell off at the end. Maybe he's going to win most improved. I don't necessarily agree with that because I think he was already great last year, but you know, so be it. Um, but they've just been exciting between Ja, between uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Desmond Bain. They're an exciting team, and they've played extremely well even without Ja, which makes me think like they have a chance to really compete for a championship because of their depth here. Like they're a very good team, and I think this also goes for the Suns. They get a little bit of shit on Twitter because like you see a lot of video. The, the Grizzlies are a very young team. Uh, the Suns aren't, but they kind of fall into the same category here. They celebrate their wins a lot, which you know, as you should, being a team that's at the top of your conference and the league. And you see fans like, oh, they treat every game like it's a championship and blah, 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 blah. They're doing too much. They're not humble. It's like, listen, when you're winning, you're going to have fun and you're going to enjoy it. And that does nothing but increase the chemistry. Look at, listen, I know we always do this. 2017 Eagles, we saw it close up. All their celebrations and all that shit that a lot of people probably would have said is cocky. But like that shit increases chemistry on a team. So I'll be rooting for the Grizzlies first and foremost. If the Sixers were to get eliminated, God forbid, I would love to see them win. I, I like that. That's a that's a solid answer. Um, the, uh, so one question lately, so like I haven't really been paying attention. Um, is uh, what the hell the, the Jazz are they in a playing situation or what the hell's up with them? The Jazz will be taking on the uh, Dallas Mavericks, who now who knows what's going on with Luca. So that series becomes uh, is that a, questionable. Holy shit! Gilbert Gilbert Gottfried died. Holy oh, shit! I, I, th- I, I was hoping that? you weren't going to see that. Oh, boy. oh wow! You just broke some oh, news on the podcast. It, it just it just came across. Rest in peace, Gilbert Gottfried. And obviously, we're not even going to touch on the MVP stuff. It sucks. But for Joel Embiid to start playing basketball only like 12 years ago or however many years ago it is to overcome a lot of adversity in the beginning of his career as far as injuries, losing his brother and like having to hear from the media and fans, oh, he might never play. He's lazy for for all of that. What a story it is for him to be where he's at now, MVP or not. Where he's at now is crazy. And you just got to be proud to have a guy like Joel on our team. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. I couldn't have said it better myself. So I guess yeah. With that, Vince, we'll just wrap I had up fun here. today. I, I'm, 
I'm very I'm very excited for you. Enjoy the game, man. You're gonna have you're gonna have a great time, wait. dude. Uh, I, I want you to send me a picture, okay, on Snapchat. Oh, I'll right? make sure to send like, a lot send of beautiful picture pictures of, of, of the stadium. Of a pounder. Oh, for sure. For I, you sure. know what I like? I love the, I, I love that's my favorite thing to receive from my friends is is the the Bud Light or whatever drink in the hand and the ballpark in the in the in the background. I love that. Yes, sir. I love that for my friends. All right, I, from I love that for my friends. All right, sounds great. I can't wait. Uh, so, uh, Pat, we missed you today. I uh, hope you're doing well out there. From Seamus, from Taylor, I'm Vince Lebiondo. This is from the Nosebleeds. Thank you for listening.